0: Tired of feeling like a pawn in a world run by the devil? Overwhelmed by the constant barrage of negative influences from this world? We invite you to join us at the 2023 Men's Gathering, where we are excited to welcome the mad Christian himself, Reverend Jonathan Fisk. Close to 150 men will descend upon Lakeview Villages in Seymour, Indiana, the weekend after Easter, April 13th to the 16th. We hope you can join us for a relaxing weekend where our brotherhood is strengthened and new friends are made every year. Visit our website at mensgathering.us for more information and to register. Find us on Facebook for additional info leading up to the event. We are expecting a full crowd this year, so make sure to register early to reserve your spot. We hope you'll join us as we learn how to stop the white noise at the 2023 Men's Gathering, a proud supporter of A Brief History of Power. Dr. Koontz, Audrey Hale, I believe is is her name. Uh, You want to fill us in with all the details? I know you're going to run it down better than I will.
1: Audrey Hale, who before her recent death was going by Aiden and male pronouns, is the shooter of three children and three adults, six people in all at the Covenant School in Nashville, Tennessee. This happened earlier this week as we record and Tomorrow, as we record, is a planned march in Washington, D.C. called the Trans Day of Vengeance that they are going ahead with that is going to happen tomorrow, April 1st. So I thought this was a good time to discuss both the the life and the ideology behind this person and its connection to both the discussion of guns in America, but as well the... Non-irrelevant amount of correlation between being transgender and shooting people, including oneself, but in many cases, over the past several years, just shooting other people before being shot down oneself.
0: So we really got uh, a line on the FBI's concern that homegrown terror is a thing here in the U.S. It just seems like maybe (laughs) it's a little reversal from what they'd like us to think. And of course, uh, some out there are going to suggest that maybe they're the ones behind it in the first place. We don't have to go there necessarily, but might as well give the hat tip.
1: Yeah, there are a couple odd things about Audrey Hale, although I'm going to explain why I don't think that the... The FBI has to be has to be personally involved in a shooting, in the way that it was involved in the purported kidnapping of Gretchen Whitmer, or involved in the January sixth events in 2021. But you can find in various places online a photo of Audrey Hill's bedroom, which has various flags in it. Flags are definitely having a moment in the United States of America. New flags being invented all the time. But one flag that is pretty old, older even than the Rainbow Pride flag in her bedroom, was the NATO flag. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's that's not really one, that's not a common one. Probably the listeners don't even know what a NATO flag looks like, or if you do, it's because you spent some time on a vacation thanks to Uncle Sam. So, Go and look for a NATO flag, you can maybe find the image of Audrey Hill's bedroom. But the the NATO flag, maybe it was an anti-Russia thing. I don't really know, but we don't we don't in fact know enough about the shooter because unlike other shootings, a manifesto that exists has not been released. So if you can recall, for example, the apparently far right. You know, Nazi shooter at Christchurch in New Zealand, I want to say that was five or six years ago now, that manifesto was immediately available, right? Whether, and there are some odd circumstances about that man's life and his travels, you know, there, there's there's a lot going on there. In the case of Audrey Hale, we know from the reports given by the Metro Nashville Police Department That there is a manifesto, but that manifesto has not been released to us. There have just been indications by the police chief and some of the pressers that he's been doing that there was a manifesto and there was potentially some resentment about going to that school. Now, I would bet that if it's a manifesto, it may be about particular people, but it's probably about conservative Christians generally.
0: That's a good guess
1: you you don't you don't write a i mean it's not you don't call it a manifesto if it's like i hate bob and dave and jim you know <laughs> it's <laughs> you write a manifesto or it's called a manifesto by anyone for any reason if bob dave and jim all have something in common and you hate the class of people known to include bob dave and jim so this is this is something that i'm a little suspicious about i'm suspicious too that we're going to get the manifesto Or that it's going to be released in anything like a news cycle in which normal people, you know, so not me, would be paying attention to it. The other thing about that is I don't believe that you need federal agents personally involved in things because this is is sort of like a lot of Americans, for reasons we're going to discuss today, are at mental points of sadness and sickness spiritually that they don't personally need someone to prod them. So if in the past, it was the case with what was not a shooting, but rather, as we've talked about in the show, really a, an assault by the federal government on Randy Weaver's property in Idaho. In that case, in order to get any kind of pretext a federal agent had to entrap Randy Weaver through asking him to do something with a firearm that is that was illegal okay in this case you don't really have to entrap people because you've already entrapped them spiritually they will do if you if that's what you want any sick horrible thing that you might desire because their souls are ready to do it they're not they're not walking around life you know, being otherwise generally happy, but like sometimes sad that, you know, work didn't go well this week. It, it's drastic enough. You don't need personal involvement in order to get people to do horrible things because they're already so enslaved that they will do whatever horrible thing may come to mind or occur to them. And that is because of how the internet makes available to them such evil sick suggestions at any time. And that's going to be one of the things we're talking about here is that even if no one ever discovers that Audrey Hale had any accomplices, we can't determine the identity of whoever like convinced her that she needed to turn into a boy on Discord back when she was like 16, which was in the whole scheme of trans stuff a long time ago, because I believe she's 28. But you don't because because of the way the internet works and making available to you like every horror all of the time, you don't really need to send a like a specific federal agent. Like if you just let the internet operate as it does in the modern United States, you don't you don't need to send someone personally. Like the the demons and the tempters are available to you at any time. You don't <laughs> You don't need to pay somebody to go be that, pretend to be that person's friend for a while. You, I mean, you don't need to. They obviously do that when they're trying to catalyze groups. So they did that with Gretchen Whitmer attempted kidnapping. But in order to just get a single person to do something horrible, you don't, you don't need to have specific personalized federal involvement.
0: You mentioned slavery a moment ago. Uh, so did you have something specific in mind?
1: by slavery i mean particularly something that that gets lost in the way that these things are talked about because they're talked about almost exclusively in terms of guns and gun law in the united states and that that is something we want to talk about today especially the relatively recent phrase gun violence that you know i, I, gun I haven't, piece
0: myself yeah i
1: haven't i haven't done a google ngram on the the phrase gun violence but i want to bet you it has spiked in the past three years that it barely existed in 2002 gun violence but it's usually talked about as guns so there's a material cause and if we take away the material cause then the problem will go away Mm -hmm. and then on the other hand you could talk about mental illness right and then the intersection of those things involves gun law and gun regulation and probably red flag laws, which Tennessee is highly unlikely to have, but plenty of states that actually have more gun violence per capita, such as California or Colorado, have red flag laws on the books at that intersection of mental illness and, and quote, gun violence. What I mean by slavery, though, is that I don't see these things as anything other other than basically, and I'm not saying that like when I talk, I, I'm not saying things to like hedge it or, you know, c- you know, cut my losses or you know, hedge my bets. Make sure that you know I'm I'm being nice about it. I'm speaking very precisely. Basically, means fundamentally. It doesn't mean like yeah, there are other causes, but I'm saying all of those other things and the debate about them and the other things that we'll talk about today are fundamental manifestations of incredible spiritual slavery degrees of spiritual slavery, perhaps even amounting in many cases to possession by demons as common in modern America. You think? Yeah, because the the way to notice this, I mean, the, the Bible does give you one pretty salient way to identify the work of demons, and that is the sacrifice of children. It is unique, unique to utterly depraved pagan groups in the Old Testament that they are willing to sacrifice children and so not only do you get do you observe that as a pattern both in the life of pagan nations in that in that case Canaanite nations but also as a marker of Israel's slide into hatred of God and blasphemy is that they begin for instance with the reestablishment of the city of Jericho they began to practice child sacrifice. Now in their case, I I wanna say this as a comparative thing in defense of the Israelites, they were not practicing child sacrifice on anything like the scale of modern America. Not even close. Not even close, not even close. They were doing it as a matter of magical induction or appeasement of various false gods, but it was not on the same scale. To see anything approaching the same scale, you could look into archaeological digs in what in ancient times was Carthage in North Africa, or perhaps the origin of that society in what is called in the Bible Phoenicia, but would today be probably Lebanon. And when you look into those things, you find child sacrifice approaching proportionally, approaching a scale something like but not equaling modern america. And so when when you see children slain you are recognizing the work of demons. Okay? And that's that's where we're starting from because I don't think that anything else that we're going to say is really comprehensible with without recognizing that this is the outbreaking of demons. Particularly in the case that this is not someone going into a high school and, you know, shooting his classmates who said bad things about him, right? These children are, were just killed because they were in a Christian school and were children. The, the shooter, if I remember the ages of the children correctly, could not even have gone to that school with those children. Even, as, I mean, even if you want to assume, well, what could a kindergartner ever have said to a you know, high schooler? that would cause her to despise that kindergartner for the rest of that child's brief existence. I mean, it's it's just silly, right? But I don't even think that was chronologically possible here because the shooter was far too old. So what you're dealing with is not even vengeance as vengeance on my enemies, like people who have done things to me and I'm going to pay them back for what they've done to me. No, this is... This is a class of people, in this case, children at a conservative Christian school. This is, I believe it's an ACCS school, which originates out of Doug Wilson's movement. My children attended an ACCS school when we were in Pennsylvania. So these children are just there because they happen to be Christian children in a Christian school. That's why they were killed. So you're dealing with a situation where... You want to, as the Bible always recommends that you do, look at what is occurring and a little bit less as to what is being talked about. We're going we're gonna to talk about how it's being talked about and what's being talked about, but you want to look first at what occurs. If children are being innocently slain, which because they're children, they can't be legally culpable for a thing, okay? If children are being innocently slain, then you are dealing with the work of demons. That's demons seem to love that the blood of children be shed
0: innocent blood
1: yeah because this i mean this is this is really this is this is to me the only way to understand the vehemence with which abortion is defended mm. right because there are plenty of other things that would actually and historically have benefited various constituencies of the democratic party far more than abortion does I mean I'm I'm just speaking in purely material sense here right there are things they could do economically they could they could close the borders thereby drastically reducing you know the available workforce that would raise wages for average people they could do that for example right they're not doing that right they could you know try to not have you know schools where people graduate without really knowing how to read you know that like that would be something right instead with a vehemence that is peculiar, and you can see it on the faces of people when these protests happen. You can see it in the ways that their that their their facial muscles are contorted into images that, if you were a child, you would be clear headed and honest enough to say that looks like a bad man. You know that look that looks like a demon. Abortion is defended with a particular vehemence because it is the particular delight of demons. So if they cannot kill them before they are born, they also love to kill them after they are born. And you have to recognize that whatever else is being said, whatever else is being explained or revealed or not, you are able to discern the signs of the times through the things that occur with just knowing what Malik loves and then also knowing what penalty the Lord puts on the destruction of the innocent in the Gospels, right? It would be better that an impossibly, that somehow impossibly a millstone could be taken from its place, even though it takes oxen or other draft animals to move such a millstone just around and around, it would be better if that were somehow fastened to somebody's neck. And then that you cast him off a cliff, cliffs actually, and I don't know what people think when they read the Gospels, but cliffs barely existing, along the coastline of the Lord's own homeland, right? That somehow he be cast off a sea cliff and into the heart of the sea with the millstone around him because of what he's doing. Because what he is doing when he is causing one of the little ones to stumble or destroying something to which the Father has particular attention, because they're angels in heaven and always see the face of my Father who is in the heavens, that is surely and obviously the work of demons, as much as the man who is gashing himself and living among the tombs before the Lord heals him. Surely the shedding of innocent blood is the particular work of demons and the particular delight of demons. So you have to recognize that that is what is occurring before we begin to talk about the phrase gun violence or or anything else that we're going to talk about today.
0: Do you have a go-to resource for demonology?
1: I, I don't be – and for this reason, I find that a lot of times when people are interested in it, at best they're overthinking it, and at worst they are engaging in a sort of theological version of prurient interest. Meaning, you're looking into things you don't, you don't like. You don't need to know that many details, right? It's sort of like when when the Bible talks about sex, what we call sexuality—a word the Bible doesn't use. When the Bible talks about that, it will talk a lot about things that it is shameful even to speak of so with demonology i and i I don't know if we've talked about it on here but my encounters with these things let's say in the wild are easily recognizable sheerly from a knowledge of the gospels not even to speak of you know the the worship of Moloch in the old testament which is where the child sacrifice comes into israel from and stuff like that. So I I don't because I don't think these things are that hard to recognize if you simply know just the Gospels let alone the rest of the Bible.
0: Yeah, so I had a thing happen last week that surprised me and I don't know how much of it to share publicly but it was it was a public event uh, and I guess I, I I might as well share it it kind of fits. Uh, so I, I came into our midweek service you know we have a midweek Lenten service during the midday and there's a homeschool co-op meeting in the back. So there's, you know, there's 25 people in the building. My associate pastor is also meeting with uh, a lady who's not a member, but her mother uh, was a member, had just gone to rest with Jesus, 103 years old. You know, they're preparing for, for the funeral. And I come in and there's a, there's a gentleman sitting there ready to talk to me. Um, I knew he was there because I'd gotten a phone call. Uh, he wanted help from a pastor. And so I, I kind of put on my pretty standard operation there, which is, hey, we've got these packets. It's got, you know, cans of fish and socks and all sorts of stuff, um, but we don't hand out cash. And, uh, you know, the guy had a story. They've always got a story. Uh, and the story's always, well, I need cash <laughs> uh, for this reason. And so I said, yeah, right. I, I can't really do that. And somehow in that moment or around that moment, uh, I realized that the man was was becoming aggressive. He was becoming angry. Um, and he's sitting down and I'm standing, because I just walked in, I got my backpack on. Um, he doesn't know I'm the pastor, which is also kind of a weird piece of this, but and I got the collar on, but he doesn't seem to recognize it. Uh, and, um, but then at, at a certain moment he stands up and now he's face to face with me and he, he stands up and he says, um, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. And I actually at that point spun to my pivoted to my left and sat down right where he'd been sitting. And I was like, well, that's okay then. Um, and then he like, he stormed away from me kind of ranting a little bit. And I, uh, I walked into the the office, the office door was open right there. And my secretary sitting there and I said, Hey Sue, uh, just so you know, this gentleman out here, he's, he's getting a little um, loud. He wants to talk to Pastor Cypress uh, in the back. Uh, so I'm going to go talk to Pastor Cypress. Before I finish that, uh, the gentleman's in the office uh, shouting about how I'm attacking him and abusing him. Uh, I just kind of walk past him to the back to where the second pastor is where the whole homeschool co-op is going on and i began to interrupt him with this lady who's preparing for her mother's funeral uh, to ask him if he can go handle this uh, or speak with this man who uh, believes that i am attacking him uh, because i won't give him you know twenty dollars and uh, before that's out of my mouth and done, uh, the gentleman's in the back shouting again uh, at the entire room, um, uh, accusing me of, of assaulting him. Uh, I have, uh, I, I make a beeline for the back door. Uh, I know there are two gentlemen in the room who are fathers. I know that uh, pastor has already stood up and is, you know, my associate's going to go speak to this man. Uh, and... Uh, hopefully handle something. I step outside the door. I pull my phone out of my pocket. Uh, I turn around. I hit record. I step back inside the door, uh, just in time to watch my associate uh, walking the man very gently um, down the hallway. They end up outside in the parking lot for about five minutes. Uh, After my associate gives him $10 cash, he drives off, no problems. Haven't heard a peep uh, uh, in anything or in any way. Um, But what I know was I walked into a church that I'm the pastor of, and I was verbally harassed out of the building with a threat of physical attack that never prospered, um, but seemed to be geared up to get me to respond in some way. And I don't know whether this is Antifa. I don't know whether this is just bullying starts to work for the beggars, or if this is in fact, I'm staring down the, you know, the the cold eyes of a demon here. Um, And uh, that's sort of where it's like your answer. It's easy to me. It's like, well, darn it. Uh, Jesus have mercy. And as Jesus Christ lives and heaven's yes and hell no, and all these good things. But I, It wasn't easy for me to decide uh, what this was, especially since as an abuse victim, I found myself in the week following feeling like the whole event was my fault and I I had caused it. Um, which I, I'm convinced is just completely nonsensical after, uh, you know, and in talking to people, we all walk through it. We now have a reason for better crisis preparation as a, as a group and everything. The homeschool kids got a good learning experience. Church is fine. I'm convinced that it was for our good um, and even for the sake of this converse, conversation. So, and you know, no one out there worry too much, but keep St. Paul Lutheran in your prayers. Uh, and and I, but I really do want to hear your thoughts on this, Adam.
1: I, I think, I mean, significant to me is is what he said, like I'm sick of being treated this way, is that the reason that many, particularly on the, let's say, political right, but especially the intellectually political right, have always found Nietzsche attractive, is that the way that demons speak in our culture are imitations knockoffs of Christianity and that what Nietzsche described as a slave morality is in fact the way that the demons talk in our culture. So if you are, if you are asking someone to conform to some basic order rather than being disordered and disorderly, you are harming him. And this, all of this gets like psychologized now because of the power of that way of speaking and the number of people on a wide variety of psychological medications. So their familiarity with that way of speaking and their the credibility of that way of speaking. But the idea that somehow the person who is doing wrong, who is disorderly, rude, uncaring, unkind, is the victim and therefore deserving of all honor is extremely powerful for mm. people. So the demons speak in this way that they say, you know, I'm being victimized, I'm being marginalized, I'm being excluded. Even if they are celebrated at the center, getting an award, you know, getting a giant salary basically for being whatever victimized class they belong to, trans, black, whatever, it doesn't matter. This is, th- this is the way that our culture is seduced to love evil is by si- is by this speech that always sounds and even sometimes uses the words of something like a gospel.
0: Yeah, so You're there harming. was a point where yeah. he was getting kind of forward and aggressive and he was yeah. still seated and um and I was kind of getting ready to you know just be like well you know I'll be back in a minute and and then he said something like you know, I'm just getting my life together. He he pulled like three right. lines out, and my heart immediately was like, "Oh gosh, yeah, I can help this guy. I can do it." And that's where it's like, how do I, as a as a pastor or a layperson, it doesn't matter where, you know, what I'm looking for is is not. I don't want the the six keys to, to calling up a demon or the five types of demon that this might be or nothing like that. But when you yeah. talk about facial contortion recognition and things like that, yeah. right. like that's what I wasn't even aware to look for that until after the whole thing's over, and it's like, oh man, <laughs> um, right? So. Uh, and as that so, thought goes through my head, let me also say to everyone else what I should have done first before all things was say Aurelius and Mike, my uh, actual service dog, would have come running. And the second thing I should have done was pulled out my camera and just started recording it. Uh, because uh, I think in in an event like that, you really do need to have uh, outside sight, if possible, um, for an audit of what happened. But uh, go ahead, Adam.
1: I, I was going to say that this idea that we have to feel guilty because someone is fundamentally destroying basic orders of life. Just think about the very old charge of disturbing the peace. And the, the, the absolute most local law enforcement official in an English-speaking country being called the justice of the peace is the idea that the way that life functions is through a basic peacefulness. And that order and authority exist to make sure that the peace endures so that, in this case, children can learn or people can have meetings in the church or children can go to school without fear that they're going to be shot to death, right, by some insane person. And that, but somehow it's like better or more attractive or we have just been like conditioned by media to believe that. The gospel is messy and the gospel is this and the gospel is that. So that Christians are specifically and, and I think especially susceptible to the idea that when someone is disturbing the peace in small ways or big ways, he is first of all to be sympathized with rather than dealt with. And to me, this has so many effects in life. They're almost impossible to name from a small scale up to a large scale. So the idea that children should have manners and should, in the presence of adults, largely be silent, that's, that's such an old-fashioned idea. It's also so much easier to raise your children when you ensure that. <laughs> but on a large scale, it's the idea that somehow that, you know, when someone riots, right, so the mostly peaceful protests in 2020, those were somehow what the cries of the oppressed the speech of those who cannot be heard, right? Why don't you start by not burning down a country? And, and then, and then we, could, we could talk. We have fora for these things. In that case, you belong to a protected class anyway. Somebody's going to listen to you. But the idea that somehow, I think especially for Christians, the, that, that somehow sympathy must prevail over everything. Hmm. That somehow you have to be You have to be nice, even if you're being shot in the face. Right. Is, in fact, not either how God has set up life, nor how he himself behaves. Right. The gospel is not that you were a horrible child, but your father still lets you live in the basement. It's that you are horrible and you were eating the pods that the pigs left for you in a foreign country. And he has had mercy on you. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you're going to just continue squandering your life. You know, the prodigal son doesn't keep squandering his life. And his dad sends him an email when he's sitting there in whatever Vegas, squandering everything his father gave him and be like, it's okay, I still love you. That's not the gospel. He came home, said he didn't deserve to be a son, and the father welcomed him. That's the gospel. It doesn't mean that the father somehow has to say, no, it's good that he did this. No, I love him no matter what. I mean, we have, a, we have a fundamentally wrong idea of who God is, so we have a fundamentally wrong idea of who we are and also how we're supposed to be because we think that God is just a big softy in the sky instead of thinking that the cross reconciles us to a justly wrathful father. And the old Lutheran distinction between two governments, or more popularly in English, two kingdoms, was for all its sort of mess and, and permutations and confusion that it induces, it does preserve the idea that God's grace is accessed only in the church, and that therefore the functioning of a government. Or a school or a neighborhood is not a place for you to just cry so much that someone gives you whatever you want. I mean, that's obviously a warped understanding of repentance anyway, but that those are places for order and peace. And that when order and peace don't exist, nothing else is possible. You know, in a country at war, being ravaged by war, nothing, everything breaks down. Right. Go read an account of Eastern Europe and World War II or the American South and the Civil War. See how everything breaks down when order and peace break down. So the idea that you have to feel bad, especially because this guy is using what are essentially magic words, you know, getting my life together. No, you're not. And if you were, you wouldn't have to be saying it because you would have some humility. You know, I mean, we all know people that have gotten their life together. Guess what? They don't when chase, it's not a demon yeah when it's not a demon <laughs> yeah when it's not a demon you don't run around bragging about how you got your life together because actually getting your life together or actually changing or actually repenting all involve production of significant amounts of humility you know we could talk about what you know brain chemicals are in a a woman on hormone replacement therapy that caused her to become a school shooter but If you want to think of it this way, the hormone that gets most produced during actual repentance is personal humility and that that has a certain way of acting and speaking. And it's not fake humility, such as many Christians engage in, but it's also definitely not, well, come on, I'm getting my life together. No, that's not what humility sounds like.
0: Yeah, no, and it it wasn't the wine version either. It was it was anger, and and that's yeah, the piece that yeah. continued to surprise me. Is I realized looking back, almost the whole time he was he was aggressing, and and the whole yeah. time I was trying to placate, and it's just it's got me really thinking twice about a lot of things, including you know the whole thing was about we don't hand out cash, you know, I don't know how much time you know an hour and a half to two hours of your congregation's life is worth, but ten dollars cash. Um, that was a lot of uh, wasted energy and time for us uh, that, that could have been sent away. Uh, with. Yeah. And, of course, the argument is we must not because then he'll. And it's like this weird thing where I have a morality that is now I'm in charge of this man whose life is not together's future based upon what he chooses to do with my charity. And I think there's something really uh, principally wrong with that argument, especially as I considered then that I'm not real happy with the U.S. government's, you know, theoretical plans for the central bank digital currency because I want to be able to have cash to do what I want with the cash once I get the cash. Yeah. And so here I am, you know, trying to trying to be the U.N. and the WEF to this this beggar who's possibly demonic. You, you suggest demonically possessed. Uh, and like, you know, what, what's up with that? Like, why don't I give him his God? And God, he trusts, I'll give it to him. And there he goes, off he goes. You know, the bigger question, maybe is why is God in my pocket like that? But that's a whole, yeah. other, a whole other issue. So,
1: <laughs> right. And, I mean, even if he is not physically possessed, there there are demons. And then there are also what, what Paul calls, but what you can hear in the mouths of the Pharisees and Sadducees, especially as we, and probably when this releases, we're in Holy Week, you can hear in the Holy Week readings is there are demons, but then there are also teachings of demons. Right, And the teachings of demons are what are in the mouths and and to some degree in our own hearts because they are so culturally prevalent. So the teachings of demons, even if the person is not himself possessed, are known both sometimes by how they sound, but also by their effects. Like demons do things that are antithetical to life. They love to destroy life. They love to enrage. They love to contort. They love to be you know sneaky so these things can be known both often verbally but also and i think more surely you can know these things from their practice right i will show you my faith by my works is what james says so that your your observation of people's behavior their way of saying things the words they use but but their way of saying things and also what they actually do is a sure guide to what they believe and where where those things are coming from than than just you know sh- just sheerly listening for certain words because sometimes those will come out but other times they won't other times the the demon or the one who has imbibed the demon's teaching is a lot sneakier than that
0: yeah and that's where you know if if there's a reason that the the media reality we live in now is so dangerous is I think it it allows the demons to significantly, exponentially increase their reach.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right.
0: You know, before you had to like stare at the sky for 30 years and try to guess. And now, you know, it's just, you can listen to it in, in 30 languages.
1: Right. Yeah. And maybe we shift to something here in in saying this, that I have for a long time thought about doing an episode on on the Columbine high school shooting, because there's, there's a lot more to that story than, even people who like myself can remember it are aware of. And then many of the listeners won't remember it or, or really have been alive, perhaps even in 1999. And that is very close to me. I mean, we will often on my day off go to Columbine Library, which is next to Clements Park on the other side of which is Columbine High School. So it's it's real close. And I've thought about it. And there's a certain just Sadness about it, and it's it, it hasn't been salient in the same way that the Nashville shooting was, but I, I will say this and compare Columbine to what's happened recently, because I think your, your point about reach is well taken, is that in 1999, of course, the internet exists, but hormone replacement therapy for children doesn't exist, and so you're not going to see in 99, or in times before this, if you look into some of this history, you're not going to see hardly any female school shooters either current students or alumni you're not going to see female school shooters the reason that men are vastly predominant in the commission of every sort of violent crime including murder is that it would seem that testosterone drives this in our brains and that especially violence is a particularly physical violence is a particularly male attribute. Okay. Think about when, you know, I mean, Paul in talking to a group of women in the pastoral epistles says, you know, don't gossip about each other, right? Or don't, don't complain. Rather, teach one another the things that that make for, you know, being happy in your vocation, basically men are commanded not to lift their hands in anger, but to lift them in holy prayer. So there are vices particular to the sexes. The vice of passive aggression is, there seems to be a particularly female vice, even when practiced by men. You'll notice that there's a certain kind of man that is never passive aggressive. Ponder these things. On the other hand, historically, and and certainly predominantly and naturally, Physical violence is a, is a male failing. Now, that's not, you know, whatever, right? There are exceptions to all of this, but rules don't mean that they that have exceptions, don't mean that they're not rules. It just means that there are some exceptions at some times in some places. So, men totally dominant in every measure of, you know, violence of all kinds. Okay. So, that was 1999. By roughly 2016, you begin to see transgender shootings. And there are kind of two aspects of this I want to talk about. One is the fact that most of those transgender shootings, including several others in Colorado, which has its own weird association with public shootings, Colorado and California, both of them. But in Colorado, as well as other places, The Colorado Springs nightclub shooter, there was a shooting in Highlands Ranch, which is just south of Columbine High School, as well as other places. Uh, One in Aberdeen, Maryland, they are more usually men trying to turn into women, but obviously possessing a sufficient amount of testosterone to be that physically aggressive. But in the case of Aberdeen, Maryland, which probably the listener has never heard of unless you're from Maryland, in addition to... The recent Nashville shooting are women on a significant, a a sufficiently significant amount of testosterone that they develop a kind of aggression that otherwise in history is very, very rare. Not unknown. Women have shot people historically, but the proportion relative to men is very small. I mean, like, you know, 10% or under of these, you know, violent shootings, right? These fatal shootings. So you're dealing with a situation where the the reach of the demons has spread. And in this case, it's almost entirely from people being aware via the internet of what they could turn into usually to solve their own in, intense sense of sadness, misery, right? Because what's on the other side, what is on the other side of not engaging in what gets called gender affirmative care. So you feel that you were assigned the wrong sex at birth. what do you do? You turn into the other sex, I mean not possible, but you try, right? Well, why should you do that? Why should your parents go along with that? because you're not allowed to do this that and the other thing you can't even rent a car until you're a really old age, okay? Because the car rental companies don't want to you know answer for your 20 year old brain. so but but you could have you could have tried to become something else when you were like 12. so why are you allowed to do that? Because your parents are, th- are going to be threatened by the doctor in charge of your, quote, affirmative care, that you're going to kill yourself if they don't let you turn into the other sex or they don't go along with turning you into the other sex. Or maybe if you're in California, potentially soon enough, based on a bill currently in their state legislature, you can actually be pulled away from your family that's caring for you. Because they won't let you turn into the other sex. Why is that? Because you might kill yourself. So that's why trans lives are at risk, because you might kill yourself. Like, do this, or I'm going to kill myself. That's the threat. Do this, or I hate myself so much, I'm going to end my life.
0: And there, that's where you got, you know, demons.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like like that kind of of
0: talk is not talk that uh, comes out of uh, healthy people.
1: No, no, that that's that's just an advanced version of I'm getting my life together. Like. Obviously not. Obviously not. You wouldn't be talking that way. You wouldn't talk. I mean, if this was actually going to solve everything, why are you just on the verge of killing yourself? And why are you so statistically likely, even if you do all of this, to still kill yourself? Why is that? Right? So when you're when you're dealing with these things, you have to look at what is occurring, not at what is being said or the guilt that is induced in you by what is being said. Because the guilt that is induced in you is going to use words like love and care and affirmation. And if you who don't have this particular demonic temptation to cut off your genitalia or to radically alter yourself so that you become permanently sterilized, if, you're, if that's what's going on, you never had that problem, then what you're going to do is the words alone are going to cause you to map your own life under that. Because that's how we engage in sympathy. It's hard to be sympathetic to people that are so utterly different that we just can't like, we can't imagine like being in that situation or being that person. So, but this is your child, right? Or this is whatever your grandchild. And what you're supposed to do is map like how sad you were when you didn't get asked to junior prom, right? That you weren't affirmed, that you were sad, like normal sadness, right? You didn't get that job that you wanted. You didn't get into the college you wanted to. You got fired two weeks ago. Whatever, right? You, you're supposed to map like normal human sadnesses onto what demons have told this person, and what you know. I mean, <laughs> I'm a little more willing to speculate about possession in the case of a doctor who is getting paid for this stuff. Yeah, right. Getting getting paid for this stuff. You're you're supposed trust the trust the authority, and then also feel the sadness of your child. You see how that's not that hard? Like it's it's much easier to get that normalized and accomplished by putting it in your own family and asking you to believe that this person under this particular temptation is just like you. That's why they that's why they started calling it gay marriage. Because if they told you what gay couples actually do, they couldn't call it marriage and have you believe it and have you map your feelings onto it. But you, if it's your child, and I mean you do understand some of your child's feelings. It's your child, you know. They they have they have your failings, if nothing else, right? So when that happens, you you see how this works: is that they use the words that make you feel a certain way, and then your emotion. And this is just kind of a this is a permutation of sort of post Christianity in our culture, because Christ, because the gospel does engage your emotions. I mean, it makes you feel godly sorrow and it makes you feel great gratitude and it provides you with joy and these are these are to some extent even for lutheran somewhat emotional realities it takes your emotions and it hijacks them so that you have this like almost law gospel dynamic but right there in the gender clinic here's the law she's going to be dead if you don't let her do this here's the gospel You pay for all this for the rest of her life, and she can be on these hormones for the rest of her life, and she won't kill herself. (gasps) I feel so much relief. So this is the way that these things operate, right? It's always, right? Satan is not creative, but he is. He works with what he's got, and so he always inverts, right, the ways of God and also the message of the gospel. So this is is a reverse. This is an upside-down gospel. Now, the demons are unlike God in that in their gospel they take vengeance on you, right? God's God's vengeance is poured out on Christ instead of you in the in the true gospel. In a false gospel, God's vengeance is their God's vengeance. lowercase G is is poured out anyway. okay? so this Audrey Hale was affirmed, was allowed to do this, had the flags, was living still living in the house at 28. and nonetheless, still takes out vengeance on the innocent. So what you want to see here is not a generic term gun violence and we can talk about whether whatever kind of law being diagnosed with an emotional disorder which i believe came first in her case then followed by hormone replacement therapy but of course legally you're you're never going to probably not even in Tennessee are you going to get an acknowledgement that these people are actually dangerous right but what you're looking at i mean you could you could debate could a law have prevented this could you know joe biden's universal background checks by executive order have prevented this probably not and even if it did she would take out her vengeance in some way perhaps not so tragically i think the issue here is that when you're talking about gun violence there are several things that never get discussed in connection with gun violence which is who is getting hurt by whom when so we're not talking about whether every you know black or Mexican gang in Chicago owns legal guns. We're not talking about whether they went through universal background checks to get whatever it is that they're using to shoot up their place of employment or this school or that school. We're instead saying that guns are sort of fundamentally dangerous. And the thing that is foreboding to me, Jonathan, is simply that Americans increasingly believe that because Americans are increasingly urbanized. So like I was was not raised to think of guns as dangerous. They were just tools in the same way that there are tools for breaking up concrete and tools for removing snow. They're just tools. Uh, They're tools for killing things, but you might need to do that. And so that's what it's a tool for and you handle this tool in a particular way and You handle the tools for breaking up concrete or removing snow in other ways, but they're all tools and people get hurt in farm accidents as well as in gun accidents and lots of other kinds of accidents, but they're tools. So then you're not fundamentally scared of them, right? So you have to think like if you've never been on a a jet ski and you're just put on a jet ski in a large lake and said like, you have to get going, think of, you'd, you'd probably be a little scared. I mean, maybe you'd be excited, but you'd probably be a little scared. And I've seen people who were, let's say, maybe urbanized is the wrong word. I mean, suburbanized suffices for unfamiliarity with guns. Suburbanized people, the first time they shoot a gun will be like really jittery and excitable the way, I mean, I remember being that way when I I was five, but then it's later and later in life and a lot of people never get introduced to these things. So when you talk about guns, they might, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking even of people who could intellectually admit like the second amendment as well as all of the gun law pertaining to the legitimate ownership of guns by Americans and the protection of that right in many state constitutions. But they could even say intellectually, let's say they're you know whatever, Daily Wire listeners, intellectually, the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution protects the right to, to bear arms to private individuals. Okay, let's say they say that intellectually, because that's going to be a common thing in any English-speaking country. Canada used to be more like us. Australia used to be more like us. Now they're like, well, you know, Canadians are always proud when they're not like us. So maybe they're proud of the fact that few of them own guns now, but this is normal. This is historically normal stuff. The problem is even if intellectually you believe that they're still scary to you because you have no familiarity with them or you think of them as like fundamentally military things or fundamentally police things rather than fundamentally your things. So On the other side of that is gun violence, gun violence, gun violence. Biden, when he talked about Nashville, said we've had 130 mass shootings this year. They don't tell you who those people are. So there's no differentiation between a transsexual who is heeding teachings of demons to shoot children and innocent adults. There's no differentiation between that and a guy using... An illegally acquired firearm to shoot another gang member. It's all the same, and the thing proposed here is that you can solve America's problems through making something illegal. Yeah,
0: well, and, and we did yeah. an episode on uh, on uh, prohibition. If I'm recalling, did. it, it didn't exactly slow down the flow. And uh, no. that's where like, no. like, I guess I'm not as worried about it. I don't like it. I mean, Illinois just passed uh, this uh, law that makes almost anything except musket illegal someday. And the sheriff's are all <laughs> it's in, it's in yeah. the courts and blah, blah. And, and you know okay. what, maybe they maybe they do it. And there's gonna be a lot of buried armaments in uh, in Illinois, because I, I don't think the very, very red. Illinois is going to be giving up all of its weapons just just cuz so they're gonna they're gonna create a world in which and we've talked about this on the show repeatedly it's something that I think is just so imperative people believe a world in which lawlessness is the norm because you can't actually right. keep all the laws; it's impossible. No one can do it. Right. It's, it just can't be done. You need a team of lawyers to keep all the laws, and only the rich can do it. That's the world that's coming, and and so to to be prepared for that uh, means expect a time where there is going to be states where the go- guns are outlawed, and then the violence is going to be worse in those states than the ones where they're not outlawed, and and that's right. that's around the corner. We it already is Chicago. It already is LA. It already is New York City. So, um, but then the other side of it is sort of like the. I don't know what good is. What good is an AR really going to do? You know, the day that the CIA shows up, or, or the day that Antifa shows up to protest, or or whatnot. Um, I, I I guess it's not that I think that uh, the Second Amendment isn't valuable and we're standing on, it, but it's it's because of its proximity to other freedoms that it really matters to me intellectually um i mean i think it's i think it's good to be a free citizen i think slavery is is a, a worse way to run economies and in that regard, self-protection is something that uh, all free people uh, have a right and a duty to uh, as opposed to a slave you got to be protected by your master right mm-hmm. so so but but i could operate in that like i could be a slave i don't want to be a slave i could be a slave why because i've learned the secret of contentment you know I, I can do all things for him to strengthen me so i'm less concerned about the fact that they're um you know, they're, they're blaming, blaming, blaming the tool and more for the Gnosticism behind the entire thing that, that just kind of permeates uh, this uh, belief that man's inner self is good. And if we, if we get rid of the material, right, the material cause, uh, everything will shift. And that this Gnostic reality, as much as it's promoting so-called compassion, tolerance, uh, trans, et cetera, uh, this is a, and you're hitting on this very hard this episode, this is a violent movement that intends to destroy Christianity and and really ought to be seen something akin to the Amalekites in the Old Testament with regard to Israel. Uh, that if we are, if we Christianity are Israel, the, the Amalekites are unleashed and, and they're getting savvy. You know, they're calling on Balak and whatnot. Uh, right. Now, for us to remember that we've got the covenant at the center and that, you know, we shouldn't hang out with the daughters from Midian. That'll go bad for us. Let's, let's hang out, you know, uh, with Joshua things are going to go well for us. Um, but, but I think that is a very important framework, uh, for, for looking at this and being just a tad less concerned about, okay, fine. Like, um, my uh, my elders all now have to have illegal firearms that they don't ever use because we don't ever really use them anyway except when we go target shooting i know and they're going to wait for the king's cry and you know 30 years to rise up and cast off the oppressor um but hey hey let's make sure that we're ready to not let them shut down our churches you know with with a wind right yeah. um th- that is where i diverge a little bit in the topic and don't get me wrong i, I think yeah. the topic just has to go in that direction if we're really going to take it seriously
1: so the the Nashville shooter belonged or, or at least attended several meetings of something maybe the listeners heard of called the John Brown Gun Club, and that is a nationwide movement of leftists who get together named after the guy who stormed the federal armory at Harper's Ferry, Virginia, now West Virginia, in order to cause a slave uprising in the in the South. He was targeting that place because a very large percentage of America's slaves were owned in Maryland and Northern Virginia at the time. And it, it didn't work. He was defeated by federal forces under the command of Robert E. Lee. But the rest is history. But John Brown is remembered as somebody who, you know, wouldn't wait for justice to be you know brought about by force of law he was going to take matters into his own hands i think that what you're what you're beginning to see is whatever we mean by a term that you know if if you want to look at his stuff on twitter scott greer has talked about a lot generally disparagingly but he's he's where i became a little more conversant with the discussion of what's called national divorce which is the idea that We will somehow split apart relatively peacefully. All of this stuff, and and I'm going to do a couple shows in a few weeks' time. We'll do some more stuff on early America, but I'm going to do a couple shows kind of mapping the 1850s onto the present day and seeing where there's overlap and where there's not overlap. And the reason that we're going to do that is because there are (laughs) so many parallels and the desire for a peaceful national divorce was at least as keen in 1850 as it is in 2023, that can we just leave each other alone? Like, can can we just have an America where under whatever configuration of whatever map it is that you made up and posted on Twitter for comment, where we can just agree to disagree, right? And we've discussed before the reasons that that would be very complex, partly because everything's all intertwined, you know, so – Denver is blue and the rest of Colorado is pretty red, but there's so many people here and whatever, you know. But there are so many parallels down to, at this point, the valorization of people who brought about changes that were months earlier previously unthinkable. So I'm interested in where open discussion of Basically, genocidal rhetoric goes on the left because they're the ones allowed to engage in it online. And you can find it if you if you're not aware of it, and you want to be aware of it, you can find plenty of people calling for the death of anyone who doesn't support quote trans rights and the death of Christians and the death of white people and stuff like that. You can find it because they're allowed to do it. Right? Yeah. So, if that's what you're looking for, then. You're gonna you're you're not only gonna find it, but you're gonna be like, "Wow, where is this going?" And the places that it's going, I I'm not at all qualified to prognosticate because I don't I don't know the future. But the fact that the, something like this hadn't something like Nashville hadn't already happened, it's kind of or, amazing. Really, it's kind of amazing. And the idea that like we don't understand all of this and we can't understand why, which is. Sort of. I mean, honestly, the Metro Nashville Police are being really pretty forthcoming relative to other law enforcement agencies. Cough, FBI with Las Vegas. Cough, other law enforcement agencies that have dealt with shootings. But what you're not going to get, and I and I'm saying this partly because I I've already seen Lutheran pastors doing this is that they act like mystified or like both sides are wrong or we don't fully. Understand. And I I think that's an obfuscation. I think that it's very clear that the murder of innocent children is wicked and that you could buy a gun in the hardware store anywhere in America in 1950. And this wasn't happening. People were always doing crazy stuff, okay, but not at this scale and not writing down in a manifesto that I'm sure talks about how much she hates Jesus Christ and his people wasn't happening wasn't happening don't don't act like this is just mystifying and the world's just been like this this wasn't happening and therefore the solution doesn't lie simply in like giving the gospel more to people who are bound to determine to destroy life right the hatred of life is endemic to demons therefore it's an epidemic among those who follow their teachings So what we're talking about here is the need for a restoration of order of the peace in the old common law sense of that word, because without it, life is not really possible, or we always live in terror of our lives. So this is, I mean, this is a lot like the 1850s in the sense that we are so divided. I'm not lamenting division itself. I'm just stating a fact. We're so radically divided from each other that we are not sure that our lives are even secure, right. On a daily basis. And that is what is particularly, I think horrendous and demonic is that life itself, particularly innocent life is not generally agreed to be worth living or to, or to be allowed to continue to live, right. That even innocent life is somehow in jeopardy.
0: So we're we're just about out of time here. And, uh, I know you like to end on a positive note generally, so I want to I want to give you a chance to to give us some uh, some green coming out of this.
1: Yeah, on a positive note, I would say that if you are a conservative person, and especially if you are a conservative person active in anything, right your your local government, your church, your whatever, the case for protection of children and you know, protection of innocent life, protection of the right to defend oneself. These are things that you have to not allow yourself to be deterred by the pseudo-Christian appeals of your enemies, because they will sound pseudo-Christian when they appeal to these things. Okay. And the obfuscations that especially conservative people engage in, in order not to be too Edgy or pointed or something are really not actually helpful. You're not, you're not at all like, you're not like mirroring the genocidal rhetoric of trans activists. You're simply saying we cannot live together in a country where you are allowed to murder children and I am allowed to affirm your psychological delusions. It's not going to work. Right. So, what you have to do here is to take courage. So there's courage in the affirmation that Christ is risen. That's in fact what the little girl whose father is the senior pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church said. He is confident that they will see her again when Jesus raises her to life again. (laughs) You can live with confidence because Christ is risen. So you don't have to be worried about the fact that affirming that the murder of innocent children is evidence of the work of demons or the fact that order and peace are basic to daily human life and that without them, any amount of sympathy or niceness is irrelevant and possibly self-destructive. You can be confident about the things that scripture teaches you because you can be confident that Christ is indeed risen. And so Haley Scruggs and all of the other people murdered this week in Nashville will rise again to new life. Catherine Kuntz, that's another Kuntz. She was the head of school. She was killed as well. And that we can be confident in defending not only the resurrection that they have obtained in Christ and that they are now sleeping in hope of, but confident also in anything that scripture teaches you and that you don't have to be ashamed of these things or nervous that increasingly large numbers of people disagree with you about them or even despise you and hate you and your children because of it. Your confidence is not in the fact that anyone is clapping for you. It's in the fact that Christ is risen.
0: We are the kingdom. Beware the Amaleki. Their consciences are seared. We are alive forever. You found the brief history of power, you know where to find us again, or you wouldn't be here. The Hebron Collegium is a gap year Bible school for men in Rockford, Illinois. Semi-monastic boot camp for Christian living. Cowards and slackers need not apply. HebronCollegium.com
1: What do you think of when you hear the word college? Expensive? Liberal? Woke? Imagine a college that is affordable. A college that is unapologetically conservative and Lutheran a college that won't take a dime of federal funding, a college that teaches the best of our Western heritage, a college where students grow in the Christian faith instead of leaving it behind. This is Luther Classical College, a college by Lutherans and for Lutherans. Visit our website, lutherclassical.org, subscribe, become a patron, and join the thousands who are making Luther Classical College a reality. At 7,123 feet, you can find mountains soaring above you and rivers running swiftly in the valley below you natural beauty of every kind. But our God is richer in his gifts than this. At 7123 feet in Pagosa Springs, Colorado, you can also find God's word preached purely and his sacraments given out for your salvation at our Savior Lutheran Church and School. Located off US 160, just west of downtown Pagosa, Our Savior offers your children a wonderful place to learn of Christ and his wisdom week in and week out, and offers you the medicine of immortality Sunday in and Sunday out. Our Savior Lutheran School provides a Christ-focused classical education that enriches the child's soul with the best that has been thought and said to the glory of God. Whether you visit while vacationing or hunting in the beauty of the area, or whether you would like to join a group of faithful Lutheran Christians, our Savior, Pagosa Springs, has what you're looking for. Divine service with Holy Communion is each Sunday at 9 a.m., and Bible class follows at 10.30. At more than a mile high, you will find Christ in all his glory in the midst of his people at our Savior Lutheran Church and School a proud sponsor of A Brief History of Power. Find out more at oslcpagosa.org. North Idaho is home to beautiful mountains and scenic lakes, small-town tranquility, civil freedom, and the faithful Lutheran parish of Blessed Sacrament Lutheran Church, located in Hayden, Idaho, near Coeur d'Alene. Blessed Sacrament Lutheran Church is a proud sponsor of A Brief History of Power. If you like what you hear on Brief History, then you will love Blessed Sacrament, where the Lord's Word is faithfully preached, and Christ's body and blood are administered at every divine service. Whether you are visiting Idaho or considering moving to Idaho, wouldn't it be nice? Please join the saints of Blessed Sacrament Lutheran Church for the Mass and Augsburg Academy Bible Study. Directions, service times, and much more information about this confessional, liturgical parish may be found at BlessedSacramentLutheranChurch.com Blessed Sacrament Lutheran Church Historic Christian Orthodoxy The Evangelical Lutheran Faith In the Beautiful Inland Northwest